Hi, I'm Jake Parker with the What's Your Story podcast. Here I talk with my guests about their life experiences, as well as current and long-term goals, and what gets them through the ups and downs. If you enjoy the show, please rate and subscribe. And don't forget to visit my website, jparkerfitlife.com, for access to my Instagram account, blog, and more. Hi guys, welcome back to the What's Your Story podcast. Today I have who I believe will be my first recurring guest. It's Johnny Zubak from The Art of Charm. Uh, the Art of Charm recently just got done with uh, their most recent theme, which was centered around dating. And listening to some of those podcasts, one of the ideas that uh, came to my mind was that they didn't do a whole lot of talking about like dating in a new environment. And specifically, from my point of view, um, was like dating after college. Uh, for people in my peer group, I know it's a big difference when you're no longer in, you know, around a big group of people that are your same age and have the same interests. And, you know, you're starting a new probably job and stuff like that, too, and finding new friend groups. And uh, I remember that Johnny had also moved to three different cities in his time. And so I thought that we could sort of talk about the all-encompassing dating in a new environment. Well, we certainly can, and I'm thank you. I'm I'm happy to have the honor of being the first uh, the repeat guest. That that's mm -hmm. right. You might I that might make me that might make your show my first repeat. So that's right. All right. <laughs> Leaving college, it's, there was a couple of things that you mentioned there. Um, everyone's the same age. Mm -hmm. Everyone has the same goals. They're in the same environment. They're all dealing with the same sort of stress that is mm -hmm. and when you're outside of that you're dealing with people who are in mode so to speak they're doing mm -hmm. their thing they are they are living life to the best of their limited abilities mm -hmm. and so the the biggest point there is is there's that transition the sooner you learn how to deal with it, the better off you're going to be because uh -huh. that's where you're going to be for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. I think that one of my biggest takeaways from uh, your guys' series on dating was just the fact that, you know, we always look at how nervous we are in dating from our own perspective. Like, especially as guys, I know that you guys talked about how it's usually uh, more often than not the guy that's the one to take the initiative to uh, start the first date and whatever, which is not 100% the rule. It's just more often than not. And I think that we can get so nervous, like, oh, you know, like, what's she going to say? What's she going to think? But at the same time, a girl is very nervous as well. You know, everybody wants to, to some extent, most people want to be in a relationship, at least at some point in their life. And we all want it to be happy and successful. And it's stressful for our, all parties involved. I think that's what's important to remember. It certainly is. And nobody on the guy's side or the women's side want to waste time on a bad date. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's good to acknowledge that and to, to go into it, to, to prepare to your to best of your abilities to enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't enjoy dating, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a, a tough task because unfortunately that's just, we, it's the process that we have to go through to, to bring people into our lives. And, you know, you can think of dating in one way, which is uh, the male to female or, or your whatever gender you're, you're into. 
members of the opposite sex or, or, or same sex, but mm-hmm. that's, that's romantically. Whereas, you know, even just getting to meet new friends can yeah. be a bit weird hanging out with somebody to, for the first time that you meet at a venue or mm-hmm. at a event and now you're going to go have drinks to like develop a, a somewhat of a platonic relationship because when you're at school, everybody's just forced into these classrooms and you're, you're tend to force to work with, with people and get to know people. And so it's, it's, you're always surrounded. And one of the things that I wanted to go back to was the sooner you let go of, of your school atmosphere is the sooner you can get moving into regular life. What people tend to do is try to hold on to their college friends for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And then they find themselves five, six years down the road and all their friends have gotten married or in solid, stable relationships. Uh, they're now starting, some are even starting families. And then they find themselves like, shit, I'm out of friends. And I can tell yeah. you a lot of guys who find themselves at the Art of Charm in that position. It's a, it's a natural one if you, if you haven't developed the skills to bring new people into your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that's kind of jumps to my mind that you mentioned there is like making friends and dating is so much easier in college because it's like even things that are so simple as small talk. It's like, oh, what are you doing for classes? You know, what do you think about the game and this and that? Like, it's just it's just right there for you. Whereas people, you know, as you leave college and you try to figure out the kind of the course of your life and, you know, what what things you want to do and pursue it's it's so there's so many more different variables that people um, are working on or are thinking about and it's not just as as basic as college life I guess well yeah and think about the semblance of of ideas and wants and goals while you're in college mm-hmm. learning uh, trying to graduate acing your tests um, trying to get in some partying and meeting people while you're mm-hmm. there but after that, the, the people who are already out and running life, they're dealing with stabilizing their, their life, their mm-hmm. job. They're dealing with hoping to get some health insurance. I mean, they're, they're mm-hmm. actually dealing with world, world problems. Not to say that school isn't stressful, mm-hmm. but at least everyone's kind of going through the same shit. Yeah. Whereas outside, uh, everyone, everyone's on their own. You're not forced yeah. to be anyone. And Let's face it, the jobs that we are looking at, the job market is getting more and more isolated. More and more people are working from home. More mm-hmm. and more people have the opportunity to, to not have to deal with many people on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And that is lending itself to more and more people having issues of, of having any sense of belonging, which is... We're, we're in a crisis of that right now. And that, that sense of belonging, if you don't have it, well, you don't feel safe, which lends itself to you being stressed out, mm-hmm. which lends itself to depression. So, mm-hmm. And I think that something that people forget, and another thing that stuck with me from your guys' podcast was just that it's okay if someone rejects you. And where I was going with that is like, 
it's, it's not so simple as like someone rejects a date with you or doesn't want to build relationships. It's not always just because they didn't like you or things didn't click. Like people have a million other things going on with their life, you know, job stresses and, you know, health stresses, family, whatever. There's such a multitude of things. I think dating is probably, there's probably on a base level, just a higher success rate in college. Cause it's like, we're here, you know, might as well try things out. Whereas in the real world, someone might not be open to dating or open to relationships as, as quickly or as easily, I suppose. Yeah. And the other part of it is some people view can view dating as their distraction, just mm -hmm. like some people view drinking. Some people view partying. Some people view video games. Mm -hmm. Those are all distractions from having to deal with yourself. Dating is now one of those. And one of the things that we touched upon in that series was the idea of limerence. Mm -hmm. uh, limerence is the, the idea of falling in love with the idea of falling in love. Mm -hmm. and these apps make it possible for you to fall in love uh, quite frequently. And you, and people have now are now there's this, this thing of being addicted to limerence and chasing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how much you guys talked about the apps and it's interesting to think about it from my perspective too, because as I become more interested in dating, it's definitely something that I plan on checking out. Whereas I used to have the mindset of like, Oh, that's just like all the hookup culture. And I think that's because like the first time I ever saw something like that, it was like 18 years old, freshman in college. And it was more so that, but now people around my age, 23, you know, mid twenties, it is a lot more of a medium now for people to meet and go on dates and stuff like that. And it's been hard for me to kind of switch my mindset, but I'm really starting to see the value in it. But on the flip side of the coin, I also see that distraction aspect too, where people can treat it as like almost a game or like, look how many matches I got. And this person wants to talk to me and this person wants to talk to me and not focusing on it with intention so much. It's, and it's very easy. Look, look at all of the technology that we use as distraction. I mean, mm -hmm. all, it's very easy. Why? It's right in front of us. Um, I'm now at a point where I'm starting to think about throughout my week of opportunities to leave my phone at home. And because I'm finding it harder and harder to be present with all, with my phone in my pocket, with all the work that just follows me around. And now I've managed to not take it out when I'm chatting with people. I managed yeah. to phone out on a date. I managed to pull my phone out dinner with friends. In fact, when my friends do pull out their phone, I look at them as, Hey, you know, like get off your damn phone. Quit man, come so, on, man. And so, yeah, and then you look at me like I'm the asshole, but I, it's difficult talking to my friends who don't understand self-development because mm -hmm. they, they, don't, they don't see their life rolling in a certain direction. And then when mm -hmm. I call it out, get mad at me, but. Oh, it just, it just reminds me of one of the best podcasts I think I heard last month was, did you listen to the Joe Rogan with Naval? Yes. He, he was talking about how like it's it's kind of a paradox because we had we had tools that whenever we could get them it would be good for us such as having entertainment or having excess of food and stuff like that yeah. or having like news and gossip there was a point in not that long ago in our history that that would have always been beneficial but now it's so ready readily available 
that we have to limit that sort of stuff for ourselves. And it's hard because it kind of goes against our, our most innate instincts. Which is the, my main point of the apps in dating. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that. But um, yeah, these things, this is stuff that we didn't have access to, to this degree. And it does enhance our lives. Uh, but at the, the other side of the coin is it's also damaging our lives in, in, in other ways. So yeah. this is something that I've been trying to be very conscious of, which is if you pull one lever, you're inadvertently moving, in, moving another lever. Mm-hmm. And, and you, have to, you have to look around to see what, uh, what other lever is being moved and if it's affecting your life short-term and long-term. And now we're at a point where there is short and long-term effects to, uh, to these, this technology. And we're not even really clear on, we certainly know how detrimental it is on the short-term. I'm scared to even think about all, all the long-term. Mm-hmm. And the other interesting thing about the apps is it's like maybe the paradox of choice where it's like yeah. for the first time we have such a vast array if you're on dating apps it's like you have such a vast array of people that you could potentially date or get to know or whatever whereas back you know when we didn't have that sort of stuff you only had your social network and maybe people you know you got to meet here and there but it wasn't near as big of a uh, vast array of people to that were options I guess yeah well let me let's speak to that there was a there is a, a company in New York, I can't remember their name now, but it was a, a couple women who's, who've made a full-time job of managing people's dating apps. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about this today and, and thinking about what I wanted to talk about with you today. And what's interesting there is, like, I had, I, there was a couple months where I did a lot of dating and I was doing a lot of experimenting and reading. Mm-hmm. Research. I'm saying that in quotes. Mm-hmm. I was having some fun with them, but how picky and and narcissistic do you have to be just to like date on a surface level where somebody else has to manage your dating apps mm-hmm. and keep sending you the quality leads? I get it. Like they're a pain in the ass and they take up time. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, just because you you can delegate. And, and um, something doesn't mean that you should. And, and, yeah. just, and just because you can't automate something. It's such a balancing act, it seems like, because even like the fact that it's just based mostly off like a small description and pictures, it's like, yeah, you want to put your best self forward, but then you also run into the flip side of like, I don't, I don't want people to just judge me off just a short description and some pictures. But at the same time, you know, that's, that's what you get in the moment. And that's what you make these choices off of. Yeah, and it's if you can get your profile to work for you, then you, the, if you live in a large city, the the options are endless. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always new people coming in and out of town, and and sp- certainly living in Los Angeles, it's just it's it's amazing to me the the options that are out there. And another thing that we were talking about is the apps and the technology around them plays into our human need to of preparedness. And so mm-hmm. here we are, Jake, that you and I are talking. If you're a fan of the art of charm, and I would even guess your podcast um, 
then you are into self-development. And if you're into mm -hmm. self-development, there's a high probability that you're a very analytical guy and mm -hmm. you enjoy the, the, the science and the learning of all this stuff, as I am. Now, these apps, you let's just say that you get a match and the girl looks great and you've, you've managed to finagle a date out of it. Mm -hmm. And you've, I'm sure that you've gotten her social media because, well, why wouldn't you? You want to know something about yeah. the girl going out on this or guy that you're going out on the day with. So now you got their social media. Well, you don't want to show up unprepared because what happens? No one wants to face the dreaded awkward silence. Mm -hmm. So you're to combat that. Your natural inclination is to, to go through all their social media and find yeah. out the likes and what they've done and, and where they've been lately and what's going mm -hmm. on in their lives. So now you arm your, yourself to the teeth with information. But the, the problem is that information, though you have it, doesn't come with any, really any real context. Uh -huh. So you're like, oh, she likes that book. Well, I like that book too. You don't know anything about how she got to a point of reading that book and likes that mm -hmm. book. So, so though, so now you're going into a date with a conversational agenda. Mm -hmm. Because what happens if it goes off the rails? We'll all know that I'm 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 off the path. I'm lost. That is the risk of the awkward silence. So. We go in with all this information. We have an agenda of where we want the conversation to go. And now we're trying to stay on that path, but the move one lever, move another. So now the problem is you're not present. You're too much in your head about what other things you could talk about. And is the conversation going down the paths you want it to? And it's only natural to do that. Mm -hmm. Everyone uh, attempts to do that. And I, I, in the research that I was doing was I went on dates with all the information in the world and compared that to how the dates went with knowing absolutely nothing about the person other than we had a match and uh, we had a brief 10 minute talk on the phone to decide if we wanted to meet up mm -hmm. and as i said I, I left the interactions with all the information wondering how did that date went did she like did she enjoy my company are we going out again did i make a good first impression because i wasn't able to focus on being present now i went in prepared and so some of that nervousness was gone because i had all this impact I traded that nervousness up front for all this information, but then it pulled me out of the interaction. When I went into the, the, the dates, knowing absolutely nothing about the person, of course, I was a bit more nervous because I had no info. I had no plan. However, I was able to focus on what actually matters. Mm -hmm. Being present, my body language, um, and, 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 and enjoying being there in the moment and showing for some enthusiasm yeah. for, for meeting somebody cool. And the conversations 
went haywire. They even mm. went into places that on on paper you would think don't go there. Mm-hmm. Because there was no agenda and we were in the moment and we were having fun, those conversations were spirited and went in those directions because that's where they naturally just went. There wasn't me trying to, oh no, we're heading into dangerous territory. Mm-hmm. Get out of this. No, there was just fun and going there. Yeah, that's funny. Because, that's funny you mentioned that because it's something I've talked to people about about my podcast before. Is like when I first did the first few interviews, I had this long list of questions and it was like, I was going to ask this, this, and this. And yeah. then I finally realized the, the, the benefit in like maybe having a couple questions, but really just seeing where the conversation goes. Because when, when it's more, you know, like you said, in the moment, you know, just talking about what comes up, that shows a person's natural interest and not just a, a rigid form of, okay, I'm going to bring this up, I'm going to bring this up. And then that just goes back, well, this is kind of separate, but what, in, what was encompassed there was another one of my favorite takeaways from the dating segment from The Art of Charm is you talk so much about social media and should you check out the person's social media before, should you not? I think that anybody listening can probably relate to the feeling of like you've gone and like you've creeped on so much social media. It's almost like, okay, I know all of this. Like how much should I let this person know that I know about them? Like should I let them know it's like how, how deep I got on their Instagram. Like she's talking about this vacation she went on and I already knew cause I saw it on her, on her Instagram and just funny. Yeah, like you like never had a thought about before. Yeah. And then the other thing that I remember that you mentioned as far as that social media aspect is like, you can kind of get trapped in looking like uh, analyzing, you talk about analytical, like analyzing, you know, their, their looks too, and getting too into that. And like, Oh, this is a good Instagram picture. She looks super pretty. And all oh, this one, she doesn't look as pretty. And like your brain's kind of trying to decide, like, just go into it and just have a person to person interaction, you know? Yeah. But like I said, going into it with no information is, is very scary. Mm-hmm. Going with this plan, you feel all set. You're like, I'm prepared. I got this down in, mm-hmm. but knocks you out just and it's the same thing equally as you talked about the podcast and it's funny because the the art of charm podcast is much in the same manner um where i come in michael harold puts together a a bullet point of 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 the of the conversation he does all the research for the show make sure that we have good science and everyone's names are able to be pronounced and all that in there for us. Mm-hmm. And then I, outside of that, will go through those notes, make a few points that, that I might have a cool story from my life about. And then I, then I go into it with there. I don't really even look at those notes after I sit in and start talking because they've already in my head recently, I've wrote them out. Mm-hmm. And if they're that important, they'll, they'll match up with the conversation. And then Jay Shetty, I don't know if you're familiar with him. We did a podcast. Yeah, I remember that podcast. Mm-hmm. He said something that stuck with me, that if, if you walk out of here feeling that you did a 75% job, you're good. Mm. And I agree with him on that. Because if you get worried about trying to knock it out of the park 100%, then you're, you're out of the game. Mm. You're, you're, you're out of... Uh, being present and for me those conversations that I have with AJ are the conversations that we have at work and that we enjoy and we have a lot of fun with and it's trying to get those on the show to the Mm -hmm. best of our ability and um, obviously with the 
producers and engineers and where we're at. That's, that's a difficult thing to do. Um, but if we can get a 75% shot, and, and that's at low end. I usually walk out there thinking we banged it out at 80, 85%. percent mm -hmm. And that's another thing too, is like, you'll, you'll always give yourself, you'll always be harder on yourself. You're your worst critic. And so a lot of times right after a podcast or whatever, it's sort of like, if you want to call it an artistic performance of any kind, if you want to be more broad, it's like, you'll always think it went worse than it was. And I noticed the same thing with my podcast too. I'll always think of what could have gone better, you know, and then people go, Hey, that was really good. I enjoyed this, this, and this. And it's like, people aren't attacking. They're not looking for what went wrong. They're just kind of hoping, like you said, that it was a pretty good overall experience. And I don't think it's as hard to cultivate that as, as you'd make it seem in your own thought patterns in your head. Absolutely. Which can be applied to dating as well. Like you're always, I think, especially on our first date, you're in your head, oh, I remember, she's going to remember when I said this or did this. And it's like the other person's thinking that same thing. They're not paying attention to all the small, the small details that you're worried about for the most part. Well, yeah. And let's, let's think about some of the, the things that bring up all the nerves. Okay. So the one thing is we tend to put our power in other people's hands. Mm-hmm which means I hope she likes me. Oh my God. I, you know, and, and because of that, we're, our power is in her hands. Our, our emotions are in her hands. And if we've been on Instagram stalking her, then we have this person built up. And in the pickup community, I guess those guys call it one-itis. You can't, you only have one, one-itis if you've already imagined yourself and the value that this person is going to bring into your life. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is why if you see somebody at work and you start to get attracted and then you start daydreaming about what your life is going to be like with that person, well, of course you don't want to be rejected. You've already been living with that person in your brain for years. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, I always tell everyone, get it out of your system as soon as possible. Find out if there's anything there. And the best part about it is, it like, what if she says no? Well, what if she says no? That doesn't mean no six months from now. That yeah. doesn't mean no a year from now. But at least you know right there and then you can go focus your energy somewhere else. It reminds me of something that Tim Ferriss had talked about before, which is, are you familiar with fear setting, what Tim talks about? It's like kind of breaking down your fears where like if your fear is that a girl is going to say no to a date, that might seem scary built up in your head. But if you actually think about it, okay, she says, no, we both go on living our lives. Like, yeah, it might sting for a second, but it's like, you know, there's a lot worse things in life. And at least you tried, you know, at least you didn't keep wondering. Yeah. And for me, I got into self-development and certainly in the pickup side of things as a young man, because I didn't want the feeling of going home, laying in bed, staring at the ceiling, going, I wish I would have said something. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have done something. I like... That to me was, was more of a downer than getting rejected. At least getting rejected, I knew that I put myself out there. Exactly. I didn't um, That was more important to me than anything. And it, sometimes it even takes a mental mindset shift to get to that point. Um, having your power and your emotions in other people's hands if that is a problem, then that's the first thing that you have to reorganize. If you've cultivated, you know, the th worked on yourself, I mean, self-improvement is such a, a broad area, but if, if I think that 
you only truly know if you've worked on cultivating that self-image for yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and, and what it, look at the things that it takes to cultivate that, right? You're into to fitness and understand mm -hmm. the, the, the ins and outs and all the benefits from it. And I, and I, I really enjoy your Instagram as well. Um, Thank you. It's very inspiring because it's always in my, it's always in quick in my feed. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it is all those small wins and that transfer, transition into other areas of your life. And you have to get those wins somewhere. And in the gym is one of the easiest places because mm -hmm. it's you and what you got to do. And here's something that is a sneak peek that is going to be on this coming week's episode, okay. which is this idea of mastery where people get in their head. Well, I'll do that when I learn all about it. Mm -hmm. After I got in my head, then I'll do it. I need mm -hmm. to master it first, then put myself. I need to master the guitar first before I get into a band. Well, mm -hmm. if that was the case, there'd be no Ramones. There'd be no anybody. But my point in that is there is a mastery, but the mastery is not over a skill because you never stop learning a skill. Yeah. The mastery is over one's limited self-doubt. Mm -hmm. Let me give you a, a silly example of this. I recently had just got a brand new bed and I'm a bit of a minimalist, not, mm -hmm. not as a, a, a ideology or and not as a anything other than it's just it happens that way like mm -hmm. my apartment is the last thing that i think about so um you know there uh, girls will come in they're like you should put up some pictures and i'm like why <laughs> they're like yeah. so you decorate i'm like i don't understand the point of that but anyway yeah, the same way just, i agree <laughs> I, that's probably a guy thing too but, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I got this new bed and I, I had to order a box spring for it, and the the company that I ordered the bed from threw in a serviceman to put it together for me. However, the box spring came separately. I had to put that together myself. So I'm like, you have nothing to do. Grab a beer, read the directions, and follow them. See what happens. And I laughed because my first thought was, fuck this. Call mm -hmm. somebody together. You don't need to get aggravated right now. That, yeah. That's a stupid, simple thing. But it's just like little things, like you said, little things add up like that and boost your, your, your self-image. How many things do we not know how to do? You know, there was a time when you didn't know how to podcast, right? Mm -hmm. There was a time when I didn't know how to podcast. There was a time when I didn't even know what a podcast was. There mm -hmm. was a time when getting in front of the room to speak about this sort of thing i've never done it before mm -hmm. you know there's a first for everything why push it away dive in and it's difficult we when when handy is to push a button on the phone and somebody's going to show up and it'll be mm -hmm. what a hundred bucks to put a box bring together when it, it just took me like an hour like yeah but that's that's where we're at and just yeah. because just because you can have somebody and put it together doesn't mean you should. And I yeah. think that's where we're at. Just because you can do that doesn't mean you should. And I, mm -hmm. that's where discipline comes in. That's where thinking long-term comes in. Uh, it, and uh, 
We're, that is something that we all have to face every day. And hey, mm-hmm. I'm glad I live in that world. I'm glad I don't wake up starving, wondering what I'm going to eat today. Yeah. Yeah. Something that when that jumps to mind for me is like something that helped improve my confidence a lot. That was more so of an intellectual discipline was I think a time when I had a really slow self-image and had a lot of anxiety is I would always think about like, oh, I'd love to read and learn a little bit more about self-improvement or like I'd love to read and know a little bit more about history. And it was little things like that, but I would never pick up a book and just do it. And then I eventually made <laughs> the decision where it's like, like go get some books and just read them. Like take the time out of your day. And it sounds simple, but it's like you say, when you build stuff up in your head, it's so easy to make the compromise with yourself. Like, oh, I'll do that someday. I'll do that next week, next month, next year. But it really, it's such, it's so nice to instill confidence to where, like, I remember when I finished my first book, it was like the middle of last year. And I finally, you know, I finished Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's like, this would yeah. be a good self-improvement book to start. And I, uh, I finished that. I was like, man, look, I look what I did. I, I finished a book from start to finish just for my own benefit. And then from there, like now I try to read a book about every other week. And it's like, it just from, from small habits can form such big and long-term uh, sustainable growth. And especially in your confidence. Certainly when you are faced with something for the first time, think about long-term. If you push this off, uh, how does that benefit you? You know, can you take it on? Should you give it a shot? Should you try it? Um, yeah, it may take some time. What else do you have going on? If, mm-hmm. if, if taking some time out to do this thing for the first time is getting in your way of playing video games, is getting in your like of sitting in front of the TV and binging on something, you, then you might want to think about trying something else. Yeah. You know, I always give the young kids that come through AOC a really hard time. I like to think that's part of my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I certainly have taken some shots at, at the kids who are video gamers, you know, and now, but now I have to hear about how much money they make from actually. Mm-hmm. Doing like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I just saw, so I don't know if you saw this, AJ and I got invited to a Boy Scouts oh, yeah, yeah. Did. Um, weekend and we went up to check out what the kids were doing and my god it was so much fun um but one of the conversations i was having with the head of boy scouts for los angeles is they're seeing attendance dwindle but all group activities across the board football chess club like any any sort of social clubs across the board are Mm -hmm. all having these things dwindle. Yeah. And not only that, but it also kind of ties back to like the whole feeling of being present and being able to focus on a task. It's really hard to sit down and read and digest a book when you, you know, you've put yourself through playing so many video games. It's like back to, you know, just giving yourself so much of that short-term gratification and in your face sort of high stimulation. Yeah. It's nice to some point, but when all you do is give yourself high stimulation, then low stimulation activities are going to be good for your long-term growth, which is a lot of what's encompassed in self-improvement are just not going to seem attractive. And so I think that's why it's so important to just make sure it's a slow process. And at first, forgive yourself, be easy on yourself. Even I've told a lot of people just start with one healthy habit and and it'll grow into more. Yeah. You know, I used to, I'm 45. I used to play with matchbox cars for hours 
just zoned out in an imaginary world that I have created for myself. To, to have your imagination taken away from you, how are you supposed to dream of things that you want to become? How do you dream of aspirations of, of, a, of a self that you have yet to develop and build? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say that that's, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of people say that they have the most random or sometimes the best ideas when you're in the shower. And it's funny because if you think about it, it's like, that's the one time when you have to be disconnected from everything. It's just you, you know, obviously you're not on your cell phone, browsing Instagram in the shower. At least I hope not. That's pretty weird. But it's like just having that time, like you mentioned early on, is just having that time without your phone. Uh, for people like, like us, like I believe you're sort of in the creative realm too with being in a, uh, having a podcast. To me, that's when all my ideas come to me, something I want to do for a post on Instagram or something I want to say or do for a podcast. It's never coming to me while I'm engaged with something on my phone or something like that. It comes to me when I'm bored sitting on the couch or going for a walk or, you know, just being disconnected. There's so much value in that. I quit running with headphones. So now on my long runs, eight, 10 miles, it's, I'm, there's no headphones. Granted, I'm running down Sunset Boulevard and I want to be alert. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but the, the the other point of that is it just it, it gets my wheels upstairs moving and and mm-hmm. i can zone out on music on on a podcast topic on wh- whatever I, I want to and it's fantastic i think we all need time to do that and, and also when we're talking about having your emotions being tied to somebody else we have to learn to be able to diffuse emotions from thoughts. Mm-hmm. And you cannot do that without practicing mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And, and so if you're constantly being stimulated, well, then you, there is no opportunity to learn diffusion. Mm-hmm. And you will always have your power put in other people's hands. Yeah. And it's like the stimulation back to the dating aspect, kind of like you talked about earlier is like part of the, I think part of the reason that people get wrapped up and always wanting to be in a relationship or always finding someone new to date is possibly uh, part of that wanting to always be stimulated. You know, that's a different area of stimulation than we just talked about, but it encompasses that. And a lot of times I know that I've battled this. It's like, you want more distraction when it's the worst for you, when you don't want to think about these other thoughts that are bothering you. That's when you paradoxically, um, want more distraction and, and seek it more. And so you really have to be intentional about that. But uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask was just, I'm curious about what you think about setting intention as far as going to a new area. Um, like we, I don't know if we mentioned before or after we were recording, but Johnny's uh, moved to North Carolina, New York, and LA during his time. And so my move was only from Lincoln to Omaha being done with school. So not a big move. But like I said, I was curious about setting intention because for me, um, how I approach dating. I had a girlfriend for a while. And so I had only, I've only kind of been sort of back into dating for really a number of months. But when I talk about intention, it's like, for me, I'm open to if I were to meet a girl, you know, going out on dates and stuff like that. But it's not like I'm thinking about when the next date is going to be, or, you know, like I'm actively trying to think about dating. And how do you think about that as opposed to, you know, someone who's like, I want to be dating. Like you said, you had the time period where you were purposely going on dates and trying new things. 
what do you think are the differences between that? And I guess just what's your viewpoint on that? I think for everybody, everyone's coming into it with different intentions. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be, um, there is nothing wrong with just, with dating, playing the field and and Mm -hmm. putting yourself out there, meeting new people. You know, moving to a new town, dating is a great way of meeting meeting new people. I have many friends here in Los Angeles that are are friends because of dating. Friends Mm -hmm. who I've met from Bumble and Tinder who, though we didn't vibe romantically for whatever the reason being, a lot of times it's distance and or people in different places. For myself, mm-hmm. going out with, some, with a girl who's really looking for something serious, I'm like, well, I'm just hanging out. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, well, that's cool. Thanks for being honest. Yeah. Um, I'm just assuming here, but I bet there's been times where like, you've been on a date with a girl and like things didn't necessarily click with you and her, but maybe she's like, hey, you should meet my friend Jim. Like he also likes music or, or da-da-da, you know, some, some situation like that too. Or like these groups of friends like are interested in this thing you're interested in. Yeah, as long as you're always honest, you know, I think that first date usually sets that up because mm-hmm. anytime that I've been in a date that's going well, the, it's always been, oh, you know, what are you looking for on Bumble and Tinder? Um, and and for I think for a lot of guys, it's the same. It's like, well, I just want to date. However, if I meet the right person that I'm game for it to being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And what do we mean by that? Well, we, you know what we mean by that. What we mean by that as well, if this girl really blows my mind, I'm all about it. And, and, but that's playing the field. And as long as you're honest, you'll find that, especially at your age, there's a lot of people who, who are looking to experience as many flavors as possible as well. Yeah. And it's funny how people are almost like, I remember I recently met a girl and she was telling me about how she was engaged. And I said, Oh, like, how did, how did you meet your husband? She was like, Oh, it's kind of embarrassing. It was on Tinder. And it's like, I think we should kind of get rid of that stereotype. It's like, if you meet on Tinder and you have a good connection, like good for you, you're taking advantage of the technology of the day. Like we're all a product of our time to some extent, you know? Absolutely. I think that stigma is, is more, is becoming less and less. Yeah, it is. I remember 10 years ago, it was, it was heavily there. And mm-hmm. who would have thought that OkCupid and Match.com would have ended up being an app that you swipe while taking a shit in the morning? Right? <laughs> it's come a long way. Yeah, not only that, it's just, it has become commonplace that you just mm-hmm. meet people and you go out on random dates with people. That's like a very common thing. Think about how well-intentioned everything had to be when it was okay Cupid on match. But now mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I, you know, it was crazy. This, I got a cool hit on Bumble out of the blue and, and this girl's pretty rad and I, she hit me up. So we're going to go out. Like it is now just becoming a part of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if you had a, if you had, if you told your friends you were going on a date with somebody met from OK Cupid ten years ago, and, oh wow, what is she like? What does she do? Oh my god! And it's like, oh, I got this date on Tinder, so I'm gonna hit that, see how it goes. I might catch you later. Oh, okay. Thank oh, yes. you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's just like it's like I said. I think it's interesting. We're all just such a product of our time, you know. You're, we're taking advantage of technology and 
business and, you know, keeping up with our families and whatever else, like we might as well take advantage of new technologies and dating as long as, like we've already talked about, you're not abusing them. And so yeah. I, was, I, was, I was interested in another thing you guys talked about in the fact that you, you talked about being cognizant of not just taking it to where it's all just texting with a person that you meet or talking on the app. And I know you have like the five message rule. So how do you, how do you uh, go from, what, what's some advice you have for someone to setting up a date and not just spending all that time just talking online? Well, once again, because it's a tool, guys are going to attempt to figure out how to use that tool to its extreme efficiency. Here, in this case, guys are gonna to try to use texting as a way, an opportunity to make a connection. Mm -hmm. Sorry, you cannot make a connection with somebody you don't know through text. That texting is only, it should be used for logistics and meeting up. So, Try to think of using that text. You already got the match. She already answered you when you wrote her. That means it's on. So it's up to you at that point to move it into uh, maybe one or two more texts of like, hey, really dug your pictures or hey, I really like this uh, about the, was that picture in France? That was really cool. Mm -hmm. and, and hey, you seem really rad. That's, that's uh, here's my number. What I usually do is, um, these, app, these apps are a bit silly to communicate on if you want to shoot me a, your name and then we'll set up a time to chat and then perhaps we'll go out. And then I text my number. Um, that's usually done within five texts. Sometimes mm -hmm. two or three. Um, and then from there, it's a quick call. And this does two things. It allows her to feel really good and her to feel special on her and her to see that you're a man who takes action. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> and also who's not afraid of a little risk, but also you're le you are leading. How many women who, who I went out with were like so blown away by how quickly I moved to a conversation and how much they were like, this guy's got it together. Yeah. This guy's badass. This guy knows what he wants. Mm -hmm. so, and one of my favorite things about behaviors and actions is the communication that's not being said. Mm -hmm. There's more not being said than there is being said. So that phone call uh, within a few texts says everything that you need. In fact, I even have had one girl who when I went for the call <clears throat> was like, well, we don't even know each other yet. I'm like, that's what the call's for. And yeah. She's like, oh, right. Like, <laughs> but because she had gotten sucked into this endless texting bullshit. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, I think something that, that you also mentioned there is like taking action with dating. I think that people really respect if you're like, you know, I think that a lot of people can run into, and I've definitely been there. It's like, oh yeah, we should hang out sometime as opposed to, hey, like, do you want to go get a drink with me at 6.30 on Friday? Like, actually setting that intention of, like, do you want to go to this place with me? I think it shows that you care rather than just, like, yeah, like, I'd be willing to hang out sometime. It just, just being actionable about it. Yeah, and going out for drinks is nothing. I mean, <clears throat> you can even have in your profile that the thing, like, that you're looking to date, uh, you're excited to see where things lead, and... Mm -hmm. 
There's, and it's even awesome to meet a new friend. Mm-hmm. So now everyone's relaxed. That We're not really worried about that this connection needs to happen and sparks need to fly. We're just mm-hmm. going to have drinks. Mm-hmm. And, and going back to like the part of, we talked a lot about the dating anxiety. It's like at a base level, you're dating to do something fun. You know what I mean? Like going out yeah. to get dinner should be fun. Going to a concert or, uh, you know, whatever you want to do for a night out. I know you guys mentioned like an arcade is a fun date. Like all that stuff is supposed to be done for fun at its base level. You know, just looking at it like that's a good way to take some of the anxiety out of it. Like let's go and have fun together and hopefully we make a connection. Sure. You know, I've also had, because of what I do, I don't want to give my social media out also because I don't want then the girl to go Google me Mm -hmm. and, and find out my whole goddamn life's history and going yeah. into the when they can go listen to you talk for five hours you know if they go and check out the podcast and it's like you don't necessarily want them going in with that predisposition yeah and i so i've i've flat out told girls i'm like listen you know i live a lot of my life online mm-hmm. so i'd rather not give you that information until we're hanging out mm-hmm. you know and every girl's like i totally understand i did mm-hmm. not have one girl say that was weird yeah yeah yeah, another thing I wanted to mention was something that I'm always very cognizant about. Um, I've been thinking a lot about uh, Susan Cain's book, Quiet, the Power of Introverts, ever since I read that. Probably like my favorite book I've read this year, but she talks about the fact that introverted people um, really like to, like, and I 100% resonate with this. It's like introverted people can get into deep, meaningful conversations and it flows really well and it's very enjoyable, but it's really hard for us to make small talk to to a large extent so how do you go about you know getting past that like oh what what does your family do where do, where does your family live you know what do you like to do for fun like what are some of your values you know because it would almost kind of scare a girl to some extent you know you don't just want to sit down and get a get a drink and so what are your core values you know what i mean <laughs> having that kind of balance you know on the dates it was always about making light of the whole thing because mm-hmm. It is awkward meeting people for the first time. So, you know, how has your Tinder experience been? And have, mm-hmm. have, have you met anyone cool? And, and, and being honest about yours. So for me, it's like, well, I have stories of meeting really rad people. I've had, I have stories of meeting absolutely insane people. I have stories of, <clears throat> uh, of course, my, 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 my first time. So, the other person is going to have that as well. Mm-hmm. And as long as you show up focused on being present, and what I mean by that is showing up with a smile, shoulders down and back, and, and some enthusiasm for meeting mm-hmm. the person, they are going to loosen up. They are going to be uh, excited to meet you. And we're, mm-hmm. so we're opening the doors for those conversations, uh, for that conversation to be so much fun. I think another thing that's important to remember that I've heard it mentioned a lot, but I I think it can't really be undervalued. And that's listening to listen and not just listening to respond. So like, what are they saying? And not just like, what am I going to say in response? Or how can I relate to that? That's not always what it's about. It is to a small extent, but I think we really overblow that part of it. And let's be honest, you're not going to be good at anything for the first time. Mm -hmm. So if you've never been on a, a Bumble date, well, yeah. Go into it expecting it's going to be awkward. 
But if you're not going to go into it expecting it to be awkward, we're not going to get to where these things can actually be fun. Mm -hmm. so, but you going in prepared for an awkward date, you are, you're about to get a, a, your first Bumble experience story that you could mm -hmm. tell your friends or that you could tell your next date. Mm -hmm. You can talk about, oh, yeah, actually my last, my first one was a couple weeks ago. I was so nervous. Um, I had never met anyone online before. Like, give that story. That shows how human. And the girl on the other side of that is like, is going to love to hear that story. But you're not going to have that story if you don't go. Yeah. I think you just have to be able to be vulnerable because it's more rewarding for you and the other person. You know, you don't want to spill your whole guts to this person, but you want to, like, like you just mentioned there, like, say like, hey, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty nervous. It's my first time. It's okay to say something like that because the, the other person is probably nervous too. And it kind of gets the elephant out of the room and to, to some extent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you were mentioning about uh -huh. the, the opportunity to practice active listening is very important. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, when you're with your friends, it's easy to be an active listener because you care. You're empathetic. You mm -hmm. want to help your friends. But when you're nervous, it's awfully difficult to yeah. be an active. So you should look at these Bumble dates and Tinder dates. These are the best opportunities that you're going to have to practice presence, to practice active listening, to practice being vulnerable, practice sharing. You're not going to get those any other way. So mm -hmm. look at all those experiences that you're going to be that much better afterwards. Yeah, another useful piece of advice that I, I heard on The Art of Charm before is when you guys talk about active listening, it's like if you're nervous about starting to practice that active listening, like do it at the gas station, do it at the doctor's office, you know, do it with the mailman, do it with insignificant people or instances at first and just develop that skill set because like everything else it's it's highly a big part of it is just a skill set to develop yeah and you'll be able to then start paying attention to the communication that is not being spoken mm -hmm. not until you start settling down that you're able to focus on the other person mm -hmm. because if you're nervous or have some anxiety going on you're focused on yourself mm -hmm. absolutely well, thanks, Johnny, for coming on. Uh, I think there was a lot of useful information there. Uh, cool. Dating is definitely a multi-level uh, thing with a lot of variants, and so it's interesting to just hear our different perspectives kind of go back and forth. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, well, I always enjoy talking to you, Jake. I, you get it, so well, it's always a good time. All right, thanks, man. We'll see you next time. All right. This has been the What's Your Story podcast. I'm Jake Parker. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and listen in to new episodes every Monday and Saturday. Also, give us a rating and review or share with a friend or family member you think might enjoy the show. I'm always looking for new guests, so if you or someone you know would like to come on the show, please reach out by email or Instagram. Both are easily available on my website, jparkerfitlife.com. Thanks.